In a recent New York Post article, breast milk produced by men who transition to women is just as good for babies as milk from a genetic female. That's according to British health officials, sparking outrage from critics questioning the science. A leaked letter from the University of Sussex Hospital's NHS Trust contended that the milk produced by transgender women, i.e. men, after taking a combination of drugs and hormones, is comparable to that produced of a mother following the birth of a baby. Because yes, that's what you want to feed your child, some weird liquid that is formed after taking drugs and hormones. By the way, staffs and emissive to critics wanting people to know that the term human milk can be used now, and it's meant to be neutral and not gender-based. This same hospital came up with that gender-inclusive term chest feeding, explaining that transgender women, i.e. men, can develop lactation partly by taking the hormone progestin, which helps develop a biological male's already existent but typically dormant milk-producing glands. You know, there's a reason why the milk-producing glands are dormant, because men can't have babies, and women, when they have babies, produce just the amount of milk needed for the baby to survive and what's in that breast milk actually is what the baby needs to survive men can't do that only women can it's the palmetto family matters show We'll get to that story and more in just a few moments. But first, we go out to the phone lines and welcome in Representative John McCravey, chairman of the Family Caucus inside the South Carolina House of Representatives. Representative McCravey, good to chat with you this morning. Hope you're enjoying a week away from the playground and glad you're able to join us this morning. Well, Justin, I am. Of course, we're <laughs> we're still working. And right. I spoke in Spartanburg earlier in the week about uh, the marijuana bill. And uh, we've had we've had good success in explaining this to people. There's so there's a lot going into this, and, and we've talked about this. You haven't been on the show necessarily to talk about it, but we've had conversations. Uh, of course, this Compassionate Care Act, and and you guys can't see that because we're audio only today. But I'm putting that in air quotes. Um, this bill would essentially, if signed into law, lay the groundwork uh, with medical cannabis, medical. Uh, medicinal use of marijuana, and we know that states within about four or five years typically move uh, to full recreational. We're going to have a full report coming out later on this week about the different effects that these types of openings of regulation can have on different states, including Alaska and and California, Colorado, and others, and we'll have that up on our website at palmettafamily.org later on this week. But Representative McCravey, you've been on the front lines of this. You were on the front lines of it in 2021, the last time this bill came to the House. It's heading your way again. Uh, You've been pouring over the legislation. It's a thick bill, uh, 60 pages worth. Um, Can Tell folks what's actually in the bill. Justin, this bill reminds me of like the border security bill. It's called something that sounds good, but it's nothing but trash. And so, so I want to talk to you about this is the most liberal medical quote, medical marijuana, which there's really no such thing, but it's the most liberal bill that's ever been introduced in the history of the United States. So first of all, these bills are designed to, to introduce recreational marijuana, if you can call it recreational. It's not really recreational. It's really just a marijuana abuse. But nevertheless, 
that's what this bill is designed to do. It's designed to take our state to a place where Denver is, where New York is, where California is, where you can't go anywhere without smelling marijuana. And so, so what it does, and I'll tell you how it does that. Uh, first of all, it puts in 138 cannabis pharmacies, which are not real pharmacies. They, they call them cannabis pharmacies. Their, their only thing they can do is sell marijuana products. It puts in the infrastructure for 30 manufacturing centers in our state, 15 growing centers, five testing laboratories, and four transporter companies. And I thought of my, my jingle would go something like this for to show that it's recreational marijuana infrastructure. Five testing laboratories, four, <laughs> four, 15 growing centers, 30 manufacturing centers, and 138 cannabis pharmacies. So, <laughs> so, so you know, that's, what, that's how they get it started. And it's a huge start because what this does is it, it makes jobs. It makes uh, the infrastructure, and so in a couple of years, they come to Representative uh, whoever, and they say, Representative, uh, we've got all these jobs, and we want recreational marijuana, and our jobs depend on that. So, so we need, because sales are going down in medical, we need, to, we need to have this done, and so it turns into recreational. Uh, this bill would allow... Uh, marijuana doctors to give unlimited number of marijuana cars. And usually in other states, what that means is about 1% of the doctors turn into nothing but marijuana doctors. And they, all they do is give out these cars to the, to their patients. Uh, they're easy to get under this bill. If you have severe muscle spasms, you can get them. If you have severe pain, you can get the, get these cars. Um, if you have PTSD, you can get the cards. And there's a whole host of other uh, maladies that people have that can allow them to get cards. So you walk in, you say, hey, my back's been hurting. It's severe pain. You know, feel a muscle spasm over here. And all of a sudden, you got a mar marijuana card. Now, let me tell you what a marijuana card gets you in, in this state if, if this law passed. It gets you a prescription for about 14 days. But it gives you the equivalent amount, and they've got these exact amounts in the dosages. If uh, the oral prescription will give you 160 doses for 14 days, uh, the vaping gives you 820 doses, and I'm talking about big doses, 10 milligrams. Let's just assume it's 10 milligrams of of THC in it. So that's a that's a huge dose. And even the top will give you 400 doses. So, so these people are getting way more than they need under this law. What are they going to do with it? Well, they're either going to become addicts, which they probably are already, or they're going to sell it. They're going to sell it on the black market. And we're going to have marijuana going out to our kids on the black market. So that's what this is about. Uh, minors can get marijuana cards uh, if, if the doctor says they can and their parents are okay with it, minors get it. You know, we'll be handing these out. Our nurse, our school nurses will be handing out marijuana to our children in school. Um, you know, second of all, not only is this, not only is this turning into recreational, and that's what it's all about, 
it's a public danger. This bill allows dangerous products that are banned in other states, like butter and all these these unusual things that they boil down that have huge concentrations of THC in them. Uh, you know, for instance, just to give you a graphic example, uh, suppositories are banned in other states because of the effect that they have. But this this bill actually talks about and authorizes suppositories. Um, the, 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 only, the only general mandate in this bill about advertising or marketing are left up to DHEC. So, so DHEC, if we all trust DHEC, we know that they will do the right thing, of course. Um, the, another huge problem with this bill that makes it a public danger is that you cannot enforce DUI. So other states have presumptions. For instance, uh, 0.5 nanograms in your blood is considered DUI in other states, and that's a lot. We have no presumption. As a matter of fact, this law specifically says, written by an attorney, of course, the attorney is a sponsor. Uh, he says the mere presence of THC shall not be evidence of DUI, and there's no presumption. So it's going to be impossible to try to convict these people who are DUI when they're high on pot. Um you know, it's been shown, of course, that once this bill gets passed, the children's use uh, increases dramatically. And this is particularly, marijuana is particularly dangerous for children. CDC talks about that. It causes schizophrenia. It causes greater mental illness in children. And that's what we need in South Carolina. With our children having a record number of mental illnesses, we're going to add this in the mix. Uh, to hurt our children again. Um, the CDC, as a matter of fact, says it's not safe to use marijuana, and it's been linked to depression, suicide, schizophrenia. Um, this bill allows eating of marijuana, which leads to overdoses. And this is, you know, what's happened is uh, somebody will eat a marijuana brownie or whatever it is, and then they don't feel any effect, and then they eat another brownie. And 10 minutes later, they still don't feel any effect. So they eat another brownie and another one. And before long, all of a sudden it hits, and they end up in the emergency room with an overdose. This bill allows vaping of THC. My goodness, this is, we had an epidemic of children dying from this in the news a couple of years ago. The CDC has a strict warning, do not vape THC. It's led to lung injury and death. So that's what this bill encourages is vaping. And, of course, if you talk to any teachers now, they're dealing with vaping in schools. Uh, it, it's an epidemic of it right now. What will this bill do to make that legal? And so so we just got a tremendous problem with public safety. And let me, let me switch to the, to the uh, business side of this. This bill is terrible for businesses. Uh, first of all, if you're a taxpayer, the taxpayers put the bill for this regulation in this new bill because they don't want to raise revenue. They're afraid it'll be unconstitutional again. So we're left to possibly hundreds of, bi of millions of dollars being spent from taxpayer money to, to require all the things DHEC has got to do to comply with this law. They're going to have to basically create a new marijuana division of DHEC. And it may be bigger than the DHEC that they already have. 
That's how incredibly uh, complicated this is. This bill would require marijuana to be monitored from. Uh, they had to. They had to create a new software program to monitor marijuana from seed to sale, is what they call it. Can you imagine just just that alone? The cost of that. They've got to inspect all these these uh, new institutions that'll pop up. Approximately two hundred institutions all over the state that they'll have to go inspect. And, and SLED will have to inspect them, too. So it's, it's a tremendous expense that is not funded by this bill. It's going to be funded by the taxpayers. Landlords must allow renters with cards to use marijuana. So you can't discriminate against your renters if you're a landlord on the basis that they have a marijuana card. And you can't restrict their use, except there's one little exception for vaping, apparently. But you can use marijuana on the premises, regardless of what the landlord says. You just can't vape if he says no vaping. Of course, how's he going to catch you? You know, businesses may not discriminate and must hire card-holding employees. And so, so when somebody comes to to Palmetto Family and says, we want a job, we're applying for a job there, uh, you can't ask them, Are you? do you have a marijuana card? You will be violating this law if you ask them that, and you can be sued. Um, the only exception to that are these big businesses that drug test everybody, and, have, and they're a certified zero-tolerance business, which no small business does that. So if you do that, you've got to test your employees constantly. So that's the only exception in there. This is going to be an onerous thing for small business. And, man, think about the workforce issues we already have in South Carolina. This will just hurt our workforce even more and hurt hurt business. You know, and, and can you imagine somebody putting in the boat at Boeing on the, on the door that's high on marijuana and they and they just leave the bolts off. You see what could happen. So we don't need this in our state. Um, and then you know there are a lot of if you go into the deep dive of this thing, it's just incredible what what the details are. It's like a Biden bill with all kind of woke stuff stuck in there. But you know felony gang offenders, for instance, uh, they can they can have a card. Violent offenders can have a card. DUI offenders can get a card. A drug offender out on bail could keep a card under this bill. Uh, the only people prohibited are drug dealers. People who have been convicted of drug dealing cannot get a card if it was less than uh, less than 10 years ago. So, I mean, it's, anybody can get it. Anybody's going to be able to sell it themselves. It's going to create chaos. Uh, one other thing I want to talk about is the family. You know, this, this bill protects parents who are addicts. And let me tell you this, in, in other states, in other states, we have found that most of the people who have a card are marijuana addicts. They spend roughly $4,500 a year on average. A lot of people spend more for their marijuana, which is $5 a dose. If you do the math, that's about $3 a day. I mean, three doses a day. So these people are addicts that are on these cards. Evidence of marijuana use may not be used in family court. Oh, and it specifically says 
child custody. So if you're a parent that's an addict, guess what? You're protected. You're, the other side can't even raise the fact that you are a marijuana addict uh, in child custody cases, in visitation cases, in parental rights cases, even in guardianship. So it gives an advantage to addicts in family court. And, you know, the, the slap in the face in this, and somebody raised this, I think Billy Garrett raised this, parents can have a card, they can get their kids a card, and then they can both go shop in the marijuana shop, in the head shop together. You know, this is just a bad idea overall, and I want to say this too. There's a growing list of organizations when they've heard about these issues that know that, that marijuana is not medicine. Uh, actually, we do have four pills now that are approved by the FDA that are medicine that have THC or derivative in it. This is what medical marijuana really is. We already have that. But the South Carolina Medical Association opposes it. The South Carolina Law Enforcement Division opposes it. The Sheriff's Association opposes it. The Police Chiefs Association opposes it. The solicitors oppose it. The Victims Assistant Network opposes it. Uh, the South Carolina Baptist Convention, the Catholic Diocese, uh, Palmetto Family opposes it. Thank you for doing that. Uh, and we have several pregnancy centers, women's centers who oppose this. And the last time this bill came out, the South Carolina GOP uh, put out one opposition uh, email on this. And we're now having county GOPs come out against this bill. Greenwood County GOP voted uh, to oppose this bill. McCormick County GOP. Last time, the Greenville County GOP voted to oppose this. So it's a growing, growing number of organizations, credible people, who when they hear what's in the bill, they say, whoa, 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 this is, this is not South Carolina. It's- so, Justin, I got soapbox uh, i know <laughs> please answer answer it ask me any questions you have well i i think that um and and again i was on a, a local station about two weeks ago talking about this and it, it's important for folks there are a lot who that you you mentioned right off the top the name of the bill and there are a lot of people who look at the name of the bill and they think well this is a good thing and I told the the host, I said, you know, if you can read the entire bill and agree with everything in the bill, then you have my utmost respect. The The problem is, and, and you outlined it well, Representative McCravey on with us on, on the Palmetto Family Matters show, that this is far and away more than just getting medicine to those who need it. Um, in South Carolina, by the way, we do have a, a, a right to try law that's been in effect since the 80s, but I won't go onto that soapbox of mine today. Y- you mentioned that this is the most liberal medicinal use of marijuana bill in the country. I, you know, I've been, I've heard that it's the most conservative and, exactly. and that it establishes pharmacies, but right. medical cannabis pharmacies that can only sell or issue marijuana products, I, I might I might be out of touch with the language of the day, but I feel like that's a dispensary. A pharmacy, a legitimate pharmacy cannot sell cannabis. 
it's against the law. And and you cannot keep your license if you're a pharmacist. If you sell marijuana, you'll be prosecuted. That's the law of the United States. So you can't, there's no such thing truly as a, as a certified pharmacy that can sell cannabis. These are dispensaries that they're calling cannabis pharmacies. And, and they're, they're separate from any pharmacy uh, that's legitimate. You know, it's, it's illegal. And, and so they have to try to get around it by creating these dispensaries. And, you know, you might think of it, somebody was telling me uh, this was their vision of it. We'll have green dot stores if this passes. We'll have green dot stores all over, all over South Carolina. And so, so it's, it's not the same thing. Right. And, and yeah. It's not. It's not the same at all. I, I think That's that. Right. I think there's, and I and you mentioned something in and as you were discussing this about black market. There's a study from 2019, and again, this is one of the things that we're going to be publishing here in the next couple of days. In, in this study, it was found that Alaska at this point it had medical marijuana for about 20 years since 1998. Uh, it's now uh, over that, of course. Yet, in addition to selling moldy products, a news story reported that a marijuana manufacturer in Alaska was found to be selling untracked marijuana and selling more than 114,000 untested edibles, that they were not even tested as a danger to public health. California's been dealing with this. Obviously, the wonderful world of California and what Gavin Newsom has done here, they've they've legalized recreational marijuana Um Governor Gavin Newsom um, has been working to stamp out the black market of marijuana. In February of 2019, he said he would, quote, boost the National Guard's statewide counter-drug task force by redeploying up north of the state to go after illegal cannabis farms, many of which were being run by the cartels. He said that illegal crops are devastating to pristine forests and are increasingly becoming fire hazards themselves. I mean, this is this is an age-old problem. Representative McCravey, in that while some may have the purest of intentions, and I do mean the purest of intentions for some people, many do not. And anything that can spiral out of control like this doesn't appear to be in the best interest of South Carolinians, especially considering it's going to be using our tax dollars to fund it. That's right. You know, this, when you think of, of compassionate care, like you said, medical marijuana. You think of a, somebody who's dying of cancer that wants to try marijuana to see if it helps them. Nobody has a problem with that. You know, that's not what this bill is. This bill has nothing to do with that. And so, so this bill is about establishing the billion-dollar industry in our state. And we've got money being spread around everywhere to try to make this happen. It's spread around in the lobby of the state house. It's spread around in campaign contributions. It's spread around all over the place. And, and you know, that's, that's what's going on because this is a billion-dollar industry. And in, in just, in, just in one state alone in Colorado, you know, there's one guy that owns a billion-dollar industry there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that's what this is about. It's about inserting this into our state. And, and turning us into a recreational marijuana state, which we don't want to be. I think the average citizen is against recreational marijuana. You know, so so they don't know. And and that's why I'm trying to get the word out about all the bad things in this bill about what it actually does. Right. You know, 
I, it, it just, you know, I keep saying this, but it reminds me of the border security bill. Oh, yeah, everybody's the border security. But when we found out what was in the bill, when Congress actually found out what was in the bill, it was all kind of bad stuff in there. Right. There was terrible stuff. You know, we were funding bringing people in, you know. Right. So so it's the opposite of what it says. It, it's not It's not conservative, first of all. It's the most liberal bill I've seen. It's not. Uh, compassionate care, it's destroying the family. It's destroying the public. It's, it's becoming a public nuisance and a, and a, and a danger. Uh, it's not good for business. It's bad for business. And so all these things that are touted about this bill, it's just obvious. Right. And, and, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. We said it on the last one in 2021. This one even more so lays the groundwork for a for an easy, quick switch to recreational use of marijuana inside the state of South Carolina that's fully legalized and cannot uh, be um, regulated at that point. I listen. Sheriffs are against this. Sleds against this. Um, Obviously, the position of Palmetto family is is abundantly clear. We are against this uh, push, and we are against this legislation. Representative McCravey, for those folks who are listening today, uh, after hearing all this information, uh, what can they do? Well, I'll tell you this. Frank O'Neill with SLED has a really good slideshow about about the effects of marijuana. Uh, He's willing to come and talk to your organization. Uh, and and from SLED and give you the details and the information, you know, I'm willing to do that. Uh, I've already spoken to several groups about this. And, you know, it's just something we need to get the word out. The people, the more organizations, for instance, um, uh, you know, the Greenwood County GOP, when they heard about this, the, the details of this bill, they were incensed. And they immediately said, we've got to have a resolution against this bill, opposing this bill. So they did. That kind of thing matters because when, when, when we start adding groups that oppose this, people's eyes start being open. And they say, I wonder why we've got 15 groups here, including the South Carolina Medical Association, strongly opposing this bill. Well, it's because it's, it's such a terrible bill. And if, once, once people get information I have never heard of anybody getting this information and say, well, I'm still for this bill. I've never heard of anybody. So, so it's the information about this, this uh, liberal bill that needs to get out there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, all, and, and it, it's not necessarily a partisan thing, although the sponsor happens to be a Democrat from, from uh, Beaufort, South Carolina, I mean, a, a Republican from Beaufort, South Carolina, and some of the Republicans that join with him, all the Democrats except for one or two, are all about this. Yeah. So, so it, you know, you've got you've got moderate Republicans, and then you've got uh, joining with Democrats to try to get this across the finish line. So last time, uh, Justin, I think you you people probably want to know this. Uh, Matter of fact, I'm sitting here looking at a book called Miracles in American History by uh, Susie Federer, who, who's William Federer's daughter. And it's about, you know, the answers to prayer uh, in, in American history. Well, last time we had an answer to prayer, and we were able to stop this bill in the House of Representatives. And um, we made a, uh, you know, I, I made the motion on the floor. The 
that the bill was unconstitutional because it was a revenue-producing bill, revenue-raising bill that was not did not originate in the House of Representatives, which the Constitution requires. We were we were, we got a favorable result on that. You should have seen the lobby; they were completely silent out there. All the lobbyists didn't have anything to say; they were just silent. And that's a rare time when that happens. Um, but we were able to stop it last time, and we're praying we're going to be able to stop it this time. And it may just take education. You know, I've seen some representatives who have heard this, had no idea. And, and we're trying to educate all the representatives down there about this as well. So, so the ones that have been saying, well, I'm for compassionate care, once they see the details, they said, wait a minute, this bill's ridiculous. So it can't be fixed. It's so bad, there's no way to fix it, and it's got to be stopped. So I just wanted to let you know, right now, I think we're looking good with the vote. I, th- I don't think there's a vote to pass it right now in the House, but it's very, very close, very close. So so uh, it's not something we can we can take for granted. And so as we move forward, this, uh, of course, the House is – uh, not in session this week. They're still doing work outside of the state house, but they are not at the state house this week in terms of normal session. Uh, and they'll be back next week, and we'll continue to track this bill and 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 see where it goes because it's going to have to go through the process in the house. So it starts in committee or, and has to work its way through uh, to get to the floor. It doesn't immediately go to the floor uh, because it's a new bill. So Representative McCravey, thank you, sir. We appreciate you joining us this morning to, to chat about this bill and to give folks a bit more of an understanding of what's actually in it. We, we thank you for your time. Well, thank you, Justin. I appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. And that was representative John McCravey of Greenwood joining us discussing the compassionate care act. Again, I put that in quotes, Justin Hall, Mitch Prosser here with you. It is Wednesday, February 21st in the year of our Lord, 2024. Ding, ding, ding. One year ago today, I was literally arriving at the Charlotte airport to get on a plane to then fly to, where was I going? New York to then fly to Israel. Today, I'm not doing that much, uh, in terms of travel. Um, I'm doing something far less enjoyable and that's, Uh, read quotes from people who are staying in the race for president. And that might be them calling me right now. A lot to get to, and we start with uh, Nikki Haley, who was in Greenville yesterday. She was also in Clemson last night. She held a state-of-the-race speech. And again, when you have to take to the stage, and again, I mean no disrespect, I mean absolutely no disrespect, but when you have to get on the stage and actually tell people, no, 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 I'm not dropping out, that tells me all I need to know about your candidacy for president of these United States. So what she said was essentially this, Uh, dropping out would be the easy route. I've never taken the easy route. I actually... That was sort of Mitch uh, in her uh, in her sort of cadence as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't anoint kings in this country. We have elections, Nikki Haley says. Donald Trump, of all people, should know we don't rig elections. Well, I mean, then my fa- I, I think I watched this live. My favorite, I've always been David taking on Goliath, 
And like David, I'm not just fighting someone bigger than me. I'm fighting for something bigger than myself. So real quick, real quick, I just have to make this point abundantly clear. The Bible's not about you. And the stories and the history we read in the Old Testament is not meant... I'm, I'm going to quote one of my favorite pastors. You are not David. Even with the, you're not, you're not watching today. But he even did the hand motions like Matt Chandler. You are not David. Okay, David is not you. Goliath is not your obstacle. Okay, David defeated Goliath because the Philistines posed a threat to the people of God. Goliath, the Philistine of Gath, then mocked God, and so David went, when no one else would, out to meet Goliath for battle. Why? Not to defend the people of Israel, but to defend the God of Israel. So again, put yourself in the story at your own peril. Seriously. Put yourself in the story at your own peril peril. Nikki Haley says, I'm campaigning every day until the last person votes. You know what that means to me? She's probably getting out after South Carolina. There's a lot of money. Oh, no, I think, no, no. I'm convinced that Nikki Haley will stay in this presidential race until well after Super Tuesday. Hmm. Mitch, there's too much money coming into her camp. And none of it's from, very little it's of it's from... It's small dollar donors. No, it's not small dollar donors. These are very big dollar donors. And I'm just saying here, a lot of that money is not coming from the conservative wing of the party. No, or the party. Or the party at the all. Or party at all. Or in this party, I think or it, in that party. I think it's probably the... And, and for those of you out there listening that want to get upset, here's your opportunity. It's probably coming from the Never Trumpers. It's coming from those. It's coming know, from top Democrat donors. The Lincoln, the Lincoln Project. Ugh. It's coming from the Koch brothers. It's coming from top Democrat donors. I'd be curious to see how much Act Blue money is coming through right now. Um, if you don't know, the two major fundraising mechanisms are Act Blue and Win Red. Win Red, obviously, for the Republicans. Act Blue for the Democratic Party. And it's fascinating to find out how much of the money that Act Blue raises actually goes to fund organizations like Planned Parenthood, the ACLU, um, and groups like that. Mm-hmm. So when you give money to Act Blue or even Win Red, that for that matter, not all the money is going to the candidate. Um, so be careful there, uh, and your data is not staying safe either. Uh, I will not insert pitch for better giving solution. Although, if you want to see me offline, no. um, <laughs> I, I, it's concerning to me. Um, not necessarily that she is in the race. Um, That's concerning for some people. It's it's concerning to me that this has been a foregone conclusion since day one. Before we even hit the Hawkeye cockeye. Oh, it, as soon as he announced he was running for president Before, again, there was no yeah, question. I mean, they're selling pieces of his suit. He's running as an incumbent. In a way. But he's also running as as an incumbent as a lame duck. I would love to ride back in a, in a you know, to go back and see what it looked like when Teddy Roosevelt or um, Arthur, 
ran because you had a lot of that zipper effect where they missed one and then went back for another um, term. I, I I don't I don't know that this climate. I was just listening to someone a, a few moments ago on the way in. Mm-hmm. I don't know that this climate's good for America. It may be good for individuals. It may be good for groups. But what we see here is almost a pledge at mutually assured destruction. Well, we've talked about that. But at the same point, and this is where I I think this is where you have to take the pragmatist approach because we're going to get into a town hall that Donald Trump held up in the upstate as well. He flew into the big metropolitan capital of Gur, Gur. yesterday. Uh, somehow the town of Gur is big enough to fit the actual plane. They got a gymnasium? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Uh, maybe a, a rec center. Anyway, the... How how should we view this? While we might think, some might think that, you know, this is not good for America, and I think you can have that argument. I think you can have that conversation. However, this is where we are. It's where we are. Yeah. So... So how do we fix where we are? I mean, the number... In my opinion, the number one thing is you got to put a conservative back in the White House. That's number one. Yeah, I, I, think, that, I think that's part of the solution, but I think that we also need to realize that the idea of mutually assured destruction, the perfect example. Let, and, and let's take something really innocuous, really tame, like the border. Um, <laughs> yeah, and the immigration the and the border slash immigration crisis that we're facing as a nation. Yep. I'm listening to people who are telling me, and, and, it, and it makes sense, and, and I've thought it for some time. The reason we don't have a real solution on the border and with the immigration crisis is because the Republicans want the Democrats to fail and the Democrat, Democrats want the Republicans to fail. Because it's an election year. Because we, it, it, Yes, it's an election year, but the, it wasn't an election year a year ago. It wasn't an election year two years ago. Of course, we're always ramping up for the next election. If you don't live in the world of politics like we do, it's always election season. Mm-hmm. There isn't uh, There isn't a August ramp up anymore toward right. November. It is always election season. What my concern is is no one's con- no one is concerned. No one is uh, focused on what would make America better or what would ha- help save America. We're worried about besmirching the character of our opponent, our quote unquote enemy, and that's dangerous. It's dangerous because it, it not only is it dangerous in the game that we play, but in the rhetoric that we spew? The the toxic um, dehumanizing of our quote-unquote enemy is absolutely dangerous, not just for us in this generation, but for our children who are watching us. And, and it's time for Americans to wake up and be more American. I'll say that one more time. It's time for Americans to wake up and be more American. The leading candidate inside the Republican primary, Donald Trump, came to Greer last night for this town hall. Laura Ingram, the Ingram angle, was all DJT all the time last night. She asked a question about mail-in voting. Here's his answer. How are you going to make sure that mail-in ballots and voter fraud, which we heard from a lot of people in line, was an issue front and center? They're very concerned about mail-in voting. So forget the past. What are you going to do to make sure we don't have problems going forward? If you have mail-in voting, you automatically have fraud. 
If you have okay, well, there's mail-in voting in Florida, That's and right. you won huge. That's right. If you have it, you're going to have fraud. But you won. Because you don't have any. When you go into a voting place, like you go into one in a, in a properly run state, they look at you, they give you give voter ID, you give all sorts of identification. I mean, it would be very hard to cheat in a mass When you A couple of things here, and again, we just talked about this, and I, I want to be careful and I want to be respectful of the former president, but that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Just saying. Unrestricted mail-in voting? Sure. Sure. It could be fraught with problems. But Laura Ingram makes a great point off the top. Let's not focus on the past. Let's focus on now. Stop complaining about 2020. Explain to me how you fix it. That's been the encouragement for some time. I've said that for four years. Stop telling me about how you lost in 2020 and tell me how you're going to win in 2024. South Carolina has mail-in voting. The people clapped. South Carolina last year, or was it two years ago, passed the most stringent voter integrity law in the country. There were no problems of voter fraud here. Widespread. There's always. There There are always always people who bend the system. We talked about it with John McCravey, Representative McCravey, earlier uh, about medical cannabis. Mm Mm-hmm. Even the folks with the best of intentions, when a system is left open to the wicked, depraved heart of man, it will be foiled. We understand that. But to say that if you have any mail-in voting, you're going to have massive fraud, you won in Florida. You won in South Carolina. You won a lot of states. Yeah, the problem is not with the mail-in balloting, and yes, there are problems. It's the, it's, it's the lack of restrictions in 2020. Unless we have some sort of black swan event, which, again, stay tuned to what happens in April and May and June. Uh, just saying. Yeah, they were pitching that idea on New Year's Eve. Yeah, so, but you're not going to have the same type of unfettered, unrestricted access to the ballot box, quote-unquote, that you did in 2020. That was a rare thing, there, there, I would believe. Yeah, there are no doubt. There was no doubt election integrity irregularities irregularities, problems in (laughs) 2020. Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio, those states stand out, even though Trump won Ohio. I mean, and and much of it happened because of the laws that were thwarted, circumvented, or laws that were bad laws that were laid on top of good ones in in those those states in those specific states the problem here justin and we've said this over and over and over again off air in the office with people on the air the problem is the messaging he is losing Mm -hmm. with the key demographic of females between the ages of 18 and 44 Soccer moms, we'll call them. Young ladies and soccer moms. He's losing. And the question they're asking is, what are you going to do? I mean, he was asked this by Brett Baer almost six months ago. And he dodged the question and started talking about election fraud. Now, Laura here brings up the idea. And instead of launching into a diatribe, where he talks about the hope and prosperity and and greatness of our future, being Reagan-esque and saying our best days are ahead. It's morning in America again. Instead, he says, there's always going to be fraud. There's always... Yes, you cannot keep... 
you know what happens if you drive a car and constantly look in the rearview mirror? You will run into whatever's in front of you. At some point. You will wreck. And you will wreck, and you will harm people. Now, the key balance is going to be, I, I believe the key balance of this campaign is going to be who Donald Trump picks as his vice president running mate. Damn because because if you go back to 2016, having Mike Pence on that ticket softened him. It softened the bluntness of Trump because you softened him with Mike so Pence. So who is, let's just, we, we don't have a lot of time. He's going he's gonna to tell you who's on a short list. Oh, does he? He's going to tell you who's on a short list. Here, He was asked about it last night. Laura Ingram, here's what Donald so, Trump said about so a short list. So let's listen to the short list, and then we'll play the game. Yeah. View that. The audience has uh, been asked who they think would be a good choice, and various names came up. Um, uh, one of them was, of course, Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah. He's made a big splash. Ron DeSantis, who's made in, making an appearance today in South Carolina, we just found out. Um, obviously, Tim Scott, Byron Donalds, and a, a big uh, presence here for Tulsi Gabbard. Um, very interesting. Um, are, and Christy Nome as well, I should say. Right. Are, are, are they all on your short list, and when can you... No, that was just who the crowd mentioned. Right. Donald Trump singled out Tim Scott because Tim was there. Sure. So, let's play the game. So, Vivek... I have somebody in mind that I'm going to tell you I believe should be the vice president pick, and it makes sense. Okay. But of those, let's play the game with the... And the question here is, which of those would soften the ticket? Tim Scott would soften the ticket, but that's not my pick. Newer, I'm sorry, and, and I'm not picking. I love Tim. Old Tim, the Tim we all know and love, or the Tim we saw on the stage in New Hampshire? Well, that's campaign Tim. Mm, no, campaign Tim is take off your shoes and walk into the middle of the crowd. That's campaign stage Tim. You're, ta- you're talking take shoes off, walk into the crowd? That the, would soften. Tim did not growl like he did on stage with Trump at his own campaign launch. Yeah, that's true. Well, the mic didn't work at first. The, the so. concern I have is, does Tim's... Let's speak more reverently, <laughs> respectfully. Does Senator Scott stay Senator Scott, or does he morph into whoever the administ- or the ticket, the administration, the campaign wants him to be. I think he's true to himself. I hope so. I'm not, I don't, if, I don't. if it's him, I hope so. I will tell you who the best pick is. Hit us with your good stuff. Tulsi Gabbard. You think? Now, again, I've had conversations with her on multiple sure. occasions. She was at Vision 24, as was Senator By Scott. By the way, where we launched this whole thing, and yes, look at, we and did. And look at how many people <laughs> became involved in the presidential race after that. Right. In some way, shape, or form. One of them's running for a Senate seat in Michigan. It, it, I mean, I'm telling you, a lot of movers and shakers. Mike Rogers Mike is running, Rogers for running for Senate. How about that? He's running up against Slotkin, and he's only down by, I think, two or three right now. Anyway... I believe Tulsi Gabbard makes the most sense. Now, do I agree with Tulsi Gabbard on everything? No. No, of course not. However, we talk about Donald Trump struggling with the with the female vote. We talk about him struggling with moderates. I mean, Tulsi's a Tulsi's left the Democratic Party. I don't think she's a Republican by any stretch, but well, I mean, let me take that back. She's probably more Republican than some are. Um, you're at a point where now, see if if Nikki Haley were the were the nominee, her VP would have to be a Ron DeSantis. 
because you're going to need somebody for her to be more right of center. For Donald Trump, you need somebody to be more center of right. Does that make sense? You don't need somebody to be left. I don't need you to be left. I need you, I need you to I need you to pull the ticket back to the moderation. Well, and, and, and I will say this, however, though, let me rephrase that. Donald Trump and Nikki Haley are very similar in their policies. Yeah, and, and I'll agree with you on the Nikki Haley assessment. If she were she would need someone that's more right right than she is, and I don't mean that correct versus incorrect. I mean like direction. Right. Yeah. yeah. With Trump, I'll I'll mildly disagree because I think he's just his own thing. He's all over the map. I mean, he's at the the he's at dinners back in 2015 and 16, telling everybody, you know, I used to be a Democrat, now I'm a Republican. You you people gave me, or you people like me because I gave you money. Um, <laughs> he's his own thing. Yeah, he's sure. all over the map on abortion. He's all over the map on um, most of the social issues that you and I care about. So he's his own animal. He can, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean that like. It, political animal and for those of you out there that think he's not a politician he's one of the best politicians we've ever seen because he fooled so many people into thinking sure he's not a politician he he's he's reading the polls he tells you he does and we used to dog bill clinton because he read the polls Mm -hmm. um he didn't do what was best for the american people he read the polls well, I'll argue that Donald Trump's done a lot of great things for the American people, but he still reads the polls. He's a he, he's a politician. Sure. With that being stated, I don't know that he has to pick anybody. I do agree that it would be best to pick someone who would soften his image or endear him to the right more. Um uh, as Pence did in 2016, the question is: Is does he does he go after the female demographic with the female? Mm-hmm. Does he go after a, a electoral uh, swing state like Georgia or North Carolina or Michigan or because South Carolina? I mean, electorally speaking, let's say that he picks Tim Scott. He announced Tim Scott today. Doesn't do anything for him it, here. Electorally, it doesn't. It get it, it gives him the black demographic, or or what's there for the Republicans, mm-hmm. um, because Tim Senator Tim Scott is is a great man, but um, he struggles with some of those issues as well. I, I don't I don't, you know there's nobody that I think and I use this term loosely. There's nobody that is a silver bullet. There's no, no one that I would look at and say, oh, that's it. That, I mean, right. of course, no one knew. If, if anybody outside of the state of Indiana knew who Mike Pence was, outside of those that marched for years at the March for Life, oh, yeah, we know Mike Pence. Yeah, that congressman, now governor in Indiana. And, yes, it helped him in the Rust Belt, but it also helped him with the evangelical community around the, the, the right. country. Right. So that's – the basis for the the Trump town hall, uh, Hillary Clinton was <laughs> is still coming out from under her rock uh, to make a few statements. Here she is uh, discussing the former president and possibly future president uh, just a couple days ago. The obvious point to make about Donald Trump is take him literally and seriously. He means what he says. People did not take him literally and seriously in 2016 now he is telling us what he intends to do 
And people who try to wish it away, brush it away, are living in an alternative uh, reality. He will do everything he can to become an absolute authoritarian leader if given the opportunity to do so. Wow. You know, if only there was evidence of him being president before. I would be inclined to believe her if he actually didn't leave the White House. I would I would be really inclined to believe her. If given the opportunity, he would be an authoritarian. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's from the mouth of Hillary Rodham Clinton of the Obama administration that spied on Trump's candidacy in 2016. If it weren't so disingenuous, I would believe her. And then lied about it. It's so disingenuous because it's the same line that's trotted out by virtually every other candidate you know, or, or, or world leader. If you want to know who people are, just listen to them when they talk you know, or believe what they say or so on and so forth. You know, the problem here is there are some that are still lying out of both sides of their mouth. Sure. And she's one of them. Not only is she one of them, here is somebody, a spokesperson for the Pentagon, asked a question about Iran and listened to the fantastic answer they gave yesterday. Our assessment is that Iran doesn't seek a wider regional conflict. We've said that from the beginning. But they do support these militia groups that attack our forces. They do support the Houthis that over this past weekend have launched multiple attacks on commercial ships, on uh, U.S. forces in the region, and they support Hezbollah. They support these groups that are continuing attacks in the region that are destabilizing and are a threat to the rule of law. Um, So if Iran doesn't want to see a regional conflict, they can continue to intervene and to tell these groups to stop. So when I was, when Facebook first came out, there was this game that we would play, and then okay. they made it. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. Farmville? Uh, yeah, I did that one a lot. It was a geography game. Oh. And they, you would guess flags and countries uh-huh. and then landmarks, and you got a lot of points for doing so. And there's, they probably got a lot of my data. There's something called Worldle now. It's oh, like Wordle, oh. but they just show yeah, you a, that country, an the silhouette of a country. Of a country. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty fun. It's fun. I'm going to um, do that after the show. You know what, what I learned? Well, I, I was. Uh, you know, weird flex. I was pretty good at the game. I, I love, I love geography. Nerd alert. Uh, yeah, nerd alert. <laughs> um, what I learned and what I already kind of knew was that, you know, the Houthis, mm-hmm. they're not in Iran. No. Hezbollah, they're not in Iran. No. Um, Hamas, they're not in Iran. Islamic Al-Qaeda. terrorists in Yemen. The, yeah, the Houthi rebels, Yemen. Yeah. Um, they're not in Iran. Iran does not want a wider spread conflict throughout the region. Then stop supporting the people that are widespread throughout the region. Sorry, they want. They want to. They, no, they will continue to do that because they do want wider conflict. Yes, that's they exactly want, the point. They want the Middle East to be destabilized. This the, administration well, is so dumb. Uh, let me let me pull back on that. They don't want the region to be destabilized. They want to destroy Israel. That would be destabilization. No, they want to unify the region. They want to crush it. ultimately. So, so if the if the peace accord between um, the Ab- Israel Israel and, and Saudi. Saudi Arabia yep. were to go through, yep. they would want to destroy Saudi Arabia. Correct. In, I don't know about Mecca, but well, no, they would ever take Mecca. Well, they would never take Mecca. But they want to destroy Jordan. Yes. They want to ally. Pakistan. <laughs> they want to ally with Syria. Yep. 
Yemen, which they, they kind of already are. And Russia. And destroy Israel. There's an interesting... So, again, I, I, I won't get into prophecy, and I won't get into end-time prophecy. Because Are you going you might, all the hay on me? You might not believe that, right? You, 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 you know, some of you out there might believe There's that, we song from living, the 90s, though. that we might be actually living in you the millennial reign of Christ, which is fascinating to me. Um, I, I'm sure many of Sorry. you, I've said this before, my father-in-law is a pastor, and I, that's the church in which I attend. Um, he has a great... Uh, study on Ezekiel thirty-eight, thirty-nine, and then the, mm. the prophecies of Daniel, and what that looks like in the modern. Take that map, overlay it on the modern map, and look at it. Iran does want destabilization in the Midi- Middle East in order to then stabilize it under their own banner. However, this administration is dumb. Well, they don't want they don't want widespread conflict. They're just going to support all these militant groups that are literally killing Americans. Creating conflict that's widespread in the region. <laughs> but they don't want widespread regional conflict. Speaking of others who are, you know, not dealing with a full deck. Here's here's the here's somebody who runs Joe Biden's campaign. You know, there's Polling numbers are down. There's not a lot of excitement. New York Times article recently, uh, just yesterday actually, said that uh, Democrats who have been warning against Donald Trump, they're becoming wearied. They've been doing this thing now for nine years. Nine years we've been being told that Donald Trump is the Antichrist, he's Hitler, he's Mussolini, he's Stalin, he's everything wrong with man and everything bad. Wrong. All sin is obtained within that hair. That's what they've been telling us for nine years. They're tired. There's not a lot of excitement for the president, mainly because his staffers have now told him, Sir, when you're boarding Air Force One, we need you to wear sneakers. Can't, can't wear, wear dress, dress shoes. Can't wear the dress shoes because you're slipping. Why not just somebody just carry him Don't up there? Don't be tripping. Wear the dress shoes. <laughs> exactly. So here's one of his campaign folks explaining why. The reason why they're not excited is because excitement would not be good. We feel like we're doing really, really well. The country is in a very difficult time right now. Um, as you guys have said from a moment ago, the world is in a very difficult crisis. And we have a moment at this time to make a right decision about what the future of the country and the future of the world is going to be about. So to expect everybody to be happy and excited, I think, is just unreasonable. We are in a tough moment, which is why it's really important that Joe Biden remain as president of the United States. Uh, again, I love when comms people do this because let me just let me just explain extrapolate your statement out to its logical conclusion no you can't do that yes you can he just said america's in a really tough spot right now well that's interesting if only we knew who was in charge for the last three years who was in charge for the last three years who's that can you can you siri that i i i cannot because no one no really one really knows. knows. Supposed, <laughs> supposedly, it's Joe Biden. Interesting. Sworn enemy so, of corn pop. So, so <laughs> if Joe Biden's the one in charge, <laughs> and America's in a really bad spot right now, and the world is as well, and that's because of Joe Biden, by the way. The whole world is burning. <laughs> there are like two. There, he started the fire. <laughs> I don't know There's, about that, but okay, really, he added really, gasoline really? to it. Europe, he added gasoline Europe, to it. War in Europe, Ukraine, Russia, sir. What will you do if Russia invades Ukraine? Well, if it's a minor incursion, nothing. Number one. Mm. Number two. War in the Middle East. I told Iran, don't do it. Don't do it. Day two of his administration, they claim Hamas is not a terrorist. What are we doing? 
Well, then, uh, I okay. know what this guy. Who was this? I don't know. Right, Some campaign guy, guy on the Morning guy. Joe. Um, have you ever? You, you've been talking with someone, whether it was in front of a camera or not, mm-hmm. and you start saying something, and I've done this, and it's embarrassing, and you just try to save it. You but can't. Save about it. halfway through it, you're like. Um, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. <laughs> like, not that I, th- not that I don't have a cognition whereby I could, um, extrapolate to a logical conclusion. Yep. It's that I've talked in a circle now, and now I, can't I really out. can't get out. No, I can't get out. So it, I don't know what I'm doing. That's when you do Help. that that quick retake. It's like, <laughs> hey, can we start over again? But the, this is live. I was about to say, this is live. You can't retake live. live. from New York. Yeah. It's, by the way, uh, Andy Cohen, is that his name? Had second gentleman, Doug Imhoff, on his <laughs> show and asked if he'd ever seen Veep. And Doug Imhoff <laughs> said, we're living it. Which I'm assuming means he hasn't seen Veep because that's a shot at his wife. One final thing for you today. I can't go a whole week without hearing from GovGav. So the president is in California right now, probably telling Gavin Newsom to be on standby. Here's Governor Gavin Newsom. You tell me what he's talking about. We have agency. We can shape the future. Future is not just something to experience, it's something to manifest. It's our decisions, not conditions, that will determine the fate and future of this planet as it relates to the issue of climate. And I couldn't be more proud in the tradition that is this office going back decades and decades and decades to take that baton to continue to advance these partnerships globally because we understand that we are, you know, we recognize our own inadequacies. There's a humility here and grace as it relates to the world we're living in and a need to understand, not just to be understood in relationships to these partnerships, in relationship to uh, our people-to-people engagement. You know what we were just talking about? That's it. Once again. I'm not trying to be, again, he who is without sin cast the first stone. Sure. But but am I really going to take lessons on humility and grace and human agency from the guy who cheated on his wife and married homosexuals on the state capitol steps? Defiant of who the spent law. thirty-two million dollars in seven key battleground states and the abortion issue to build board, billboards, putting Bible verses on it to say "Love so, your neighbor, have them, get them, have, help them have an abortion." So it's humbling and graceful and having human agency. What does he's that even moving, mean? And how can anything with this, agent, what agency of a human being can do rep, anything about the climate? This reptilian demagogue. I'm serious. <laughs> oh, I think he has strapped. He's gone a human, to the V, ladies and I gentlemen. I think he has strapped a human head on his snake oh, face. Please, please, Governor Kendall. Uh, uh, it, our staff is, is going to build Justin a tinfoil hat. Not this isn't tinfoil hat. This is this guy's literally so suave. And so smooth and debonair. He's channeling JFK mixed with Bobby Kennedy With the glass in the throat. And then then a little bit of Reagan and then just weird stuff. (laughs) Hey, listen. Abortion, killing kids, good. Normal. Send your kids to California so we can lop off their genitals. It's really important, though, that we understand who we are and what role we play in the climate. Really? Really? Is this is this the population control theory on the climate change? If we, if we have fewer people, then all those O2 emissions will well, that's, well, that's, burn a hole that's in That's literally... Well, we got a story on Friday that we're going to get to. Oh, dear. It's about meat. And 
and we're going to get to it on Friday. Coming up on Friday, we'll preview the primary in South Carolina because that's Saturday. I wonder who's going to win. Vote um, early, vote often. And then uh, there are three advisory questions on the ballot. If you have questions about those, give us a call. Uh, I'll be glad to elucidate you. So we have a primary coming up on Saturday. We'll talk about that on Friday. We'll talk about why they're wanting you to eat less meat and what the, like- why they're telling you to eat less meat and why they really want you to eat less meat. We'll get into both of those oh. on Friday. The Alabama State Supreme Court had a major ruling on embryos, saying that embryos frozen through IVF are actually uh, human beings. And, <laughs> no kidding. And should be treated as such and have those protections. What does that mean uh, for the pro-life movement? I think that's important to look at as well. And a lot more coming up on Friday. Again, a busy Wednesday edition of the show. This show is free, of course, but if you want to invest in the work that we're doing to make sure we continue to have an impact in the state of South Carolina, go to palmettofilmy.org slash invest. You can sign up for our email newsletter. Give us a five-star rating and review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Share this with your friends and family. We'll be back on Friday for another full edition of the show. It is the fastest growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina. Oh, it's this one. Wow. I was on the gun there with your mic. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Representative John McCravey for joining us to talk about pot. We will see you on Friday. It's the Combat Family Matters Show.